0: Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
1: way to start jazz shapers here on jazz okay. that was bangla from dizzy gillespie hello it's me elliot moss thank you very much for joining me here on a nice saturday morning jazz shapers is the place where you can hear the very best of the people who are shaping the world of jazz alongside their equivalents in the world of business a business shaper my business shaper today i'm pleased to say is fraser thompson he's the ceo of Chapeldown. and Chapeldown group of course make gorgeous wines bubbly and not bubbly. They make beers and they also make ciders, proper cider with proper fruit in it. I'm sure you'll be hearing very shortly. In addition to hearing from Fraser, you will also be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea, some words of advice for your business. And as well as all of that, of course, a tasty mix of music from the shapers of jazz, blues and soul, including Nancy Wilson, Jason Moran, and this, it's new from Benny Sharoni. That was the bodega from Benny Sharoni. I hope you liked it. It's new, as I said here on Jazz FM. Fraser Thompson is my business shaper today, and he's the CEO of the Chapeldown Group. And they make amazing British—yes, you heard it here first—British wine, sparkling, not sparkling. They make beer. And uh, Dominic, the producer of Jazz Shapers, promises me it's a fine brew, and they also make lovely cider. It's a real pleasure to have you, Fraser. Thank you very much for joining Great me. Great to be here. Eh? Now, you took over the business yeah. as managing director back in 2001, and your background was from the big company of Whitbread, and you, uh, um, you are a Geordie, even though you haven't had a few and you'll be sounding like a Southerner. He's going to now start <laughs> sounding like a Geordie. Right. What made you join uh, Chapel Down? What was it that convinced you that, that, that British wine had a future? Well, uh,
0: firstly, it's English wine, because um, actually, according to the EU, uh, actually, uh, England is just a region. And so we're allowed to call it English okay. wine. But um, I, I work for big companies. And I think one of my kind of mantras is to try and go to bed just a little less stupid than I was when I woke up. And I'd worked a long time in beer and a long time for Whitbread, great company. I'd been given this uh, fantastic opportunity to go around the world selling beer with Heineken. Doesn't get much better than that, as a Geordie, I can tell you. <laughs> uh, so I'd been travelling around the world, but but strangely enough, I'd, I'd kind of, I'd, I'd stopped learning, uh, and I was getting, I think, a little bit bored. And I'd also, uh, my kids had got to 13, 11, and eleven, and that seemed like a pretty good time. That if I was ever going to have a go and get involved and do something pretty much for myself, then that was the time to do it. Uh, I wanted to learn something. I wanted to go in something that was fairly familiar. So booze, Geordie, it's kind of quite a good mix, really. Uh, and moved back to England to, to encourage uh, the, the kids to, to get back into the education system over here.
1: Now, how big or small was the business at that point? This is now 14 years ago. Uh, it was
0: pretty small. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, um, it was a pretty dingy uh, place uh, at Tentadon. It had a garden centre outside. I did sort of wonder what on earth I was doing. Um, but I do know that it made great products mm-hmm. uh, and that uh, actually if I prided myself on anything, it was a, as a marketeer. Uh, and so uh, what it seemed to lack was was an ability to market itself. I tasted it. It was great. It was one of the reasons I joined this company. But no one had
1: heard of English wine and the like at that point, or, or people who may have been very scornful and disdainful have said, excuse me, I, d- I don't think so. I think you're being very polite, actually. I they were, uh, well, I can't uh, swear you. See, so. they,
0: they were very, very disdainful. But in fact, the reason I took the job, and this is, uh, this is why I ever got involved in the first place, I guess, I, I, had, a, I had a dinner with, a, with an old friend from an advertising agency who put three glasses of fizz in front of me, and he said, can you name where they're from? Uh, and I said, "Well I know a bit about wine, of course I can, uh, and of course, I got it painfully wrong, and we ended up with just one left, and he bet me another tenor that I could have ten guesses, uh, and I wouldn't guess where that wine was from and uh, he took another tenor off me, uh, and I ended up drinking Chapeldown and wrongly naming it as from New Zealand, from Chile, from uh, everywhere but England uh, and It was about three weeks later I saw um I saw the opportunity at Chapeldown, so it just seemed slightly uh, serendipitous really.
1: Well, there you go. That's how um, Fraser Thompson found himself in the little old chapel down, which isn't so little anymore. Time for some music. This is Aretha Franklin with You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman.
0: Looking out on the
1: morning rain I used to feel so uninspired I can bet you a glass of uh, Chapel Down's finest white wine that you were singing along to that. Aretha Franklin with the iconic, you make me feel like a natural woman. Fraser Thompson is my business shaper today. He took the the strange choice to become managing director of Chapel Down's, people would have said back in 2001, and has transformed it into a very, very successful business. They make gorgeous wine. And in a blind test, according to Fraser Thompson, he didn't know that he was drinking English wine, not British wine, English wine, way back in the day. Now, when you you took it over, and you said you'd worked in big companies. You had globe-trotted with Heineken. You'd done some really, really big brand jobs. What were the first three things you had to fix uh, as as the new business leader? And how did you go about doing it when you took on Chapel Down? Well,
0: the, the first is to get over the initial shock. Actually, um, it was about I was about three days into the job, and somebody came to repossess the photocopier. Now, hmm. that didn't happen at Heineken, and it never happened at Whitbread either. And uh, so, the first thing really was to try and make sure that. Uh, the place was running efficiently. Uh, And by that, I mean it had cash in the bank and it had some means of paying its bills. What was turnover then, just to give me a sense? uh, Turnover of the company was about 1.1 million a year. So so it's a really small business. Really a micro business. Yes, Um, And it was also... So so the job number one is try and put the financing on a decent footing. And that meant uh, having a plan and going out and raising a bit more money. Uh, Job number two... Uh, was we had a mountain of stock in the business. So it's having a look and saying, well, how am I going to get from where I am now to where this business needs to be? And so at the time, we had uh, a mountain of stock of grapes that you'd never heard of. So uh, I can mention grapes like Sauvignon Blanc, Schoenberger, Reichensteiner, Muller, Turgau. Probably never heard of them, probably less likely to drink them. Um, but actually, we saw that as something of a virtue at the time. I had to turn that mountain of wine into cash in order to replant with wine varieties you have heard of. So Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Pinot Murnier, those sorts of things. And so in order to do that, we really had to sell. And so having a, a, an organisation that could sell was job number two.
1: And where, uh, where was distribution at that point, just to give me an idea? Well,
0: uh, the biggest single customer we had, so this is one of the lessons I learned, uh, the biggest single customer we had at the time was British Airways. Uh, and British Airways yeah. stocked, um, stocked our wine uh, and gave it to customers in little bottles called Horizon. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that, was, that was actually about 40% of all the wine we were selling. And we got good results from that, but we weren't allowed to call Horizon to anybody else. So it was just for British Airways, and it kept the clock ticking over. So job number two is to try and uh, turn this mountain of uh, money into cash. And job number three was did we have the people to make this happen? So how am I going to ever persuade really good people to come along and do this? Now, we were lucky at the time, actually. We, we did have some really, really good people who just needed a bit of a motivation, who needed a purpose, who needed a vision and needed some direction. And actually, that's pretty easy to give uh, if you can get the first two in shape. So if you saw some results coming through, uh, we started to get a bit of momentum going. And, uh, and so from there, it became a bit A bit easier. So the first three things were were pretty simple.
1: Now, you're super clear about what those issues were. At the time, how long did it take to ascertain that those were the issues? Was it pretty quick as well?
0: Uh, Well, before I joined the business, it was pretty clear that there was a lot of stock that wasn't moving. So we had to find a way of making that stock moving. It was pretty clear there was one customer who was dominant and we needed to change that. I hadn't met the people and I didn't know really how bad the cash situation was. So some of those were pretty emergency things that I'd
1: kind of taken for granted, but actually they weren't it wasn't that great shape stay with me to find out how Fraser Thompson has taken that business and well taken it through the roof actually I think almost five or six times um, the size of revenue now for that business and more importantly you've heard of them yes you have that's Chapel down just in case you didn't catch it earlier latest travel in a couple of minutes but before that some words of wisdom from our programme partners at Mishcon Reya.
2: hello my name's Alison Levitt QC I am a head of the business crime group and a partner at Mishcon Reya fraud is one of the biggest risks that any company can face. Many companies have an anti-bribery policy, but very few have an anti-fraud policy. They can either be victims of fraud or they can find that people use them unwittingly, the company itself, to commit fraud. There are things that you can do to guard against it, but it's important that they are specific to that company and that everybody in the company understands that there is zero tolerance for fraud there. One of the things we're interested in is the fact that we think that anti-bribery policies are really best seen as a subset of anti-fraud policies and that any well-run business, which wouldn't dream of not having tax planning, really ought to make sure that it protects itself against fraud.
0: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In
1: partnership with Rea, It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday morning, I get to meet a shaper from the world of business, someone who's leading a business, someone who's created a business, someone who's fundamentally transforming the business and the category that they're in. Uh, If you've missed any of the previous guests, then you can go into iTunes. Jazz Shapers are the two words you need to unlock 160 brilliant guests and all the insight that comes with them. Uh, Cityam.com if you need another place where you might want to go, or even British Airways High Life if you happen to be flying in the near future. Fraser Thompson is my business shaper today, and he's the chief exec of Chapel Down PLC. They make lovely English wine, uh, sparkling and non-sparkling. They make beer, and they also make cider. And Fraser and I were just talking before about identifying the problems that were there in the business when he took it over back in 2001. Now, you talked about cash, um, and you talked about distribution and sales, and then you talked about harnessing the team. Saying those are the problems and then making it happen and fixing them are two completely different things. How did you then switch into fixing mode?
0: Well, uh, you've really got to have uh, – w- what you expect is that his business is going to be a pretty straight line and I-, I can get about fixing those problems. But in fact, it didn't quite prove to be that, that way. Never, never, nothing's ever as easy as you think it's going to be on paper. Uh, and the first thing that happened was the Gulf War. So the Gulf War in 2003 – um basically put uh, put British airways into something of a tailspin uh, and uh, they immediately delisted uh, our wines so forty percent of our sales disappeared overnight because British Airways had decided not to stock wines on on flights internally. Now, we may or may not have had a, a legally binding contract at that stage, but even if we even if it was particularly legally binding, we couldn't have afforded to chase it because we'd have no money in the bank, so we had to sit on it and we had to do something about it. So we started we created a brand called Curious Grape, and we made a virtue of these grapes that we had and we started selling them to supermarkets. That was great. The downside was uh, supermarkets aren't brilliant at paying very quickly. And after 110 days with one well-known supermarket, uh, we had a salesman parked outside in the car and we were threatening all sorts of stuff that unless we got the cheque, uh, there was dire things were going to happen to this supermarket. Uh, and eventually the cheque arrived with the sales director. And uh, uh, But meantime, I'd had to pay out of my own pocket uh, the salaries of some of the staff for a month. Uh, it, it, it was classic small business stuff where cash flow was in a bit of a mess and you had to get all these things straight before you could move forward. So raising funds to me was uh, was the big issue. And getting a business fit to raise funds is, is quite hard. You know, you've got to get customers in place who are going to impress him, potential investors. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a vision. Uh, and so putting that together took us about three or four months uh, with the board at the time. Uh, and we managed to... Uh, persuade uh, a very famous investor called Nigel Ray uh, on board at that stage, uh, and he put a substantial amount of money in, uh, and Nigel backed the product and the people. Uh, And if there's one thing that I've always learnt from that moment was, look, people and product, that's what what great investors are going to back. Uh, And once they look at the whites of your eyes and they say, look, this is a guy I can trust, this is a guy who's going to do what he says he's going to do uh, and deliver it, uh, then I'll back him. And, uh, you know, that was uh, 11 years ago, over 11 years ago. And, you know, Nigel Ray has been a, a fantastic backer of the business all that time. And he's still my largest shareholder. Uh, and uh, so to some extent, it's, it's the faith that Nigel has shown in in me and the management that we put in at that time uh, that's been the driving force of the organisation since then.
1: And that's the importance of investment. Without that investment, you probably wouldn't be here having a conversation with me today, I imagine. No time for some more music and I think quite aptly um, it is The Best Is Yet To Come from Nancy Wilson
2: Out of the tree alive I just picked me a plum. You came along And everything's Starting to hum Well it's a real good bet The best is yet to come
1: That was Nancy Wilson with the best is yet to come, and I have a feeling it is. Fraser Thompson's been my business shaper um, up until now, and will be until ten o'clock. He's staying with me. He's promised. Um, he's the CEO of Chapeldown PLC, and we were listening to you talking about fixing and investment and the importance of investment. Now, all that's well and good, and if you've got cash in the business, that's fantastic. But that wouldn't have been enough and i imagine then or even in parallel you were thinking products you were thinking being the best how did you then start to move the business into a state of really delivering excellence on a daily basis and making sure the business worked
0: well we'd we taken the stage of having taken nigel's money um it was vitally important that we'd start to deliver on the plan and part of that plan was that we could actually mirror champagne we part of the story is of course English sparkling wine in particular made on the same chalk soils it just happens to face south it's only 80 90 miles away from the Champagne region of France why why can't we make world-class wine we have the evidence in front of us so the challenge really was to really up our game in terms of the quality of the products that we're making and the best evidence that you can get for that is to win gold medals and not long after Nigel invested so in 2004 uh, two things happened Uh, one uh, awful and one very good uh, and the awful thing actually turned out to be quite good so uh, the awful thing that happened is we had a fire and we had uh, a fire at the Tenson Vineyard and that is something I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy it was an awful day uh, it started at five thirty at night and it destroyed about half the stock that we had uh, and some of that was really good stuff that we'll never get back uh, and so that was, uh, it was a, it was potentially a disaster. And had we not had the money already in the bank, we wouldn't have been able to negotiate the best deal we possibly could from the insurers. Uh, we'd have been, we'd have gone. But as it was, it enabled us to take a, take a pause and take a step. Because uh, actually we did get the insurance money and it did enable us to move forward. So that was kind of quite, uh, you know, quite an important moment. The second, which was almost happened the same week, is we won our first, gold medal at the international wine challenge. Now to put that into perspective, you know, th- to win a gold medal from England was almost unheard of. Um to win any medal was pretty much unheard of. Uh, and it started really a ball rolling of people starting to go, well actually I better start taking this seriously. That year we attended Taste London for the first time and I remember uh, we'd we were pulling people onto the stand to get people to try and taste the wines. And one or two had heard of this gold medal. And I can tell you now that you know, nine years later, we, we still support uh, Taste London, and it is packed. We, we have to push people away. We certainly don't give any free wine away from the stand. It, it is, it's, fant- it's a complete transformation of the business, and it just shows you just how far you can go if you have a very clear idea that what you want to do with the products and how you're going to market them, and you absolutely stick to that plan, that you've got to make great products, you've got to make uh, a product that you feel passionate about. More importantly than that for us uh, was what we set the whole company up to do was it's all very well trying to be the best, but actually you've got to do something that nobody else can do. And that continual search for for that extra layer of complexity, that extra layer of something that nobody else can do is the thing that still drives us to this day. It's still the thing that shapes us. Uh, And all of that started in this very intense period around 2004, 2005. These great things started to happen. Uh, And once that... You know, once that snowball starts to roll, it had felt, you know, three, four years of really pushing a snowball up a hill. And it just felt that it wasn't quite, didn't need pushing quite so hard at that point. And it felt like we'd come to the top of the hill. And really, it wasn't until about 2009, 2010 that we really felt the snowball was now starting to gain some momentum. Um, But, yeah, it was uh, 2004 was a particularly pyrrhic year for us.
1: Final chat will be coming up with Fraser My Business Shaper today. Plus we're playing a track from Jason Moran's tribute to the Fat Swaller. That's after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers
0: on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkonda Rea. It's business, but it's personal.
1: That was Jason Moran mixing it up with Ain't Misbehaving. Fraser Thompson's my business shaper just for a few more precious minutes. Fraser, you you obviously came from a marketing background and you have that clarity of knowing, sensing, apart from, you know, it's marketing and business actually, but really knowing what's going to work. It's one thing saying you're going to create the best products in the world. It's another thing doing them, but you did it. Mm. It's one thing saying you can turn around a business and there's another thing then actually going to do it. Where have you, is there an inner confidence? Is there a sense of your own experience? Have you observed other people? Where does this clarity come from, this belief, do you think, for you?
0: Um... Well, I think uh, initially uh, it's born out of arrogance. Actually, it's born out of a belief that you can do these things because I'd done them at Heineken, I'd done them at Whitbread. I was the guy who put the widget in a can of Boddingtons. I'd, that was you, know, you. Yeah, that was me. Oh, I'm well, afraid. Yeah, I'm sorry about like that widget. Uh, well, and you know the advertising and like so. So there's things where you get a, an amazing sense of self-confidence. And what the, the journey from Chapel Down really uh, what it's really taught me is, is is humility. Actually, you've got to stay humble and grounded. So you. can... You can say you can do these things, but actually there's only one way you're going to make those things happen. And that's actually to surround yourself with the best people that you possibly can and realise you can't do it all yourself. And you've got to have great people to do those things with you. Mm. Uh, And if they believe in you and you can lead them, then actually almost anything's possible. Uh, And so, uh, yes, of course, we make mistakes. And of course, I'm not going to talk about all the mistakes we've made. But, you you know, you've got to make mistakes in order to learn and i do think that that thought that you do try you must try and every day just go to bed a little less stupid than you were when you woke up mm. it is a driver and actually you won't learn if you just keep you know doing doing cookie cutty stuff
1: but that story is a really good story now to be able to to look back for 14 years and say here's what we did here's what i had yeah. to fix that that's a fantastic one i imagine there have been mistakes and i have I imagine there have been significant problems you mentioned the fire where do you go? Where have you gone historically when there have been those problems, whether that's literally to a person or, or, or in your head? What? How do you cope with that?
0: Well, family, 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 family. It's uh, it's the people you trust the most and the people who give you the strength to, to carry on. So, you know, I've been married now to Susan for 33 years. I better get that right. Uh, 33 years. And she's not only uh, she's, she's more than a wife. She's she's amused to me. And if I just want to rant and, and moan, she's very good. She's very good ear to that. And she picks out the bits that are really important in that. And so having a partner that can help me uh, is a huge, it's is just a huge boon. So when all else starts to fail, you turn to the people that mm. who, who can do nothing but trust you, who have absolute faith in you. And as the business has grown, actually, that circle of people actually is slightly larger. But... Uh, you know, it f- starts first and foremost. I wouldn't do anything without uh, significant, without consulting uh, Sue first.
1: And I'm pleased. I hope we got the numbers right. I hope it was 33 okay, years. Otherwise, 33 you'll be in trouble. Um, uh, uh, just before I you your song choice, it, it occurs to me. Obviously, you have you have skin in the game. You're invested in this business. You were in big businesses before. Mm. What is the fundamental difference in feeling that you have now as the person responsible for the business who's also invested in it versus the person who was responsible for the business who did fantastic things in big companies? What does that mean for well, you? Well, uh, uh, the the biggest difference is is humility. Actually, the biggest difference is to be able to
0: stand in front of an audience of people. When we did the crowdfunding last year, the you know the yeah, world three million round,
1: quid or something, three and a half million, n- n-
0: nearly four million pounds yeah. in twenty one days. But you've got to stand in front of people in an audience and, and tell them what you're going to do. Tell them you've got a great business, and they've got to believe you. And the best way that they can believe you is to say, "Look, if it hurts, it's going to hurt him too." And actually, having skin in the game. It enables you to say you are watching out for them because you're one of them. And particularly when you come and do crowdfunding, which is becoming very popular at the moment, you need to have real empathy with the people who own the business like you do. And if you can stand there with hand on heart and an eye contact and say, Well, I'm doing I'm doing this because it's right and it's right for me because it's right for you, that's a very powerful thing to get across. And I think therefore businesses that have managers have got serious skin in the game, not short term bonuses, I don't get a bonus. Quite interestingly, I don't. I have never been paid a bonus in this company. Because if you do, you make bad long-term mm. decisions about the future of a wine industry, which is a long-term industry. So I've always not had a bonus, and, uh, but I've always had skin in the game. You, if
1: you want to change that, I can talk to the CEO and maybe we'll have a conversation with him. <laughs> Unfortunately, it is Fraser Thompson. He's not going to give himself a bonus. Amazing. That's, it's nice to hear things like that. Fantastic to interview. Um, what's your song choice today and why have you chosen it?
0: Well, I, I remember hearing uh, a Levi's commercial uh called uh, with with a song by uh, Screamin' Jay Hawkins on it called Sunset and Vine and uh, it made me smile and I thought this guy has got the most incredible voice. And so I did a bit of uh looking around and I and I listened to a bit of Screamin' Jay Hawkins and uh, and the song that uh, that makes me smile the most but uh it fills me with uh with a sense of uh, it just makes me feel great. But it's also a bit of a pian to, to Sue as well. It's uh, it's called I Put a Spell on You, uh, and it's the funniest singer I've ever heard uh, singing a song that he's, he's singing it from his heart, but he's putting a message across that he just is so bloody lucky uh, and it, that he's put a spell on this woman that he wants to be with. And I, I feel a bit the same as that without sounding overly schmaltzy, but the best bit is actually right at the end where he suddenly just goes bonkers. And that always makes me smile doesn't matter how many times I listen to it so I just think if you've never listened to Screaming Jay Hawkins he's a nutter get into them.
1: here he is thank you very much
0: I put a spell on you because you're mine
1: That was the quote-unquote bonkers sound of screaming Jay Hawkins, and I put a spell on you. The song choice of my business shaper today, Fraser Thompson. A really good example of someone who was totally clear in their thinking. He saw what needed to be fixed, and he went and fixed it. He focused on quality products and the role that they played in making sure the business was going to be a success. And above all else, he understood the importance of humility and developing a sense of that fantastic stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's 9am here on Jazz FM for another edition of Jazz Shapers. In the meantime though, stay with us because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Rea, It's business, but it's
0: personal.